welcome to Storytelling. This week's guest is a scientist passionate about clear, concise communication and engaging storytelling in a world of science and data. She believes that one of the solutions to climate change begins with individual action. She is keen on simplifying and speaking on the complexities of sustainability, global warming and environmentalism in simple everyday language. Earlier this year, she hosted and created an online international sustainability Earth Day event to celebrate the theme, Invest in Our Planet. She is also privileged to work across the NHS, whose national ambition is to deliver the world's first net zero health service and respond to climate change. Please welcome Kavita Delau. Hello, Kavita, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Debbie. How are you doing? Kavita, how do we explain global warming to the average person? The easiest way I have understood this, and I think it's the easiest way to explain to everybody, is to make analogies. So the analogy I make is between our core temperature and the Earth core temperature. So going back to ourselves, our body temperature, everybody knows that we operate best at 37 degrees. That's the the human body temperature. If you're one degree over, you have a fever. If you're two degrees over, you have a high fever. If you're 2.4 degrees over, you have a dangerously high fever. To be honest, you should be in A&E by then. So the earth analogy is, the earth is now 1.5 degrees over its core temperature. If you want to look at it from a fever point of view, the earth is just in a feverish state. And we're trying to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees over not more than five degrees. But if it goes over to two degrees, the earth will be in a dangerously high fever. So how are we seeing this? How does the earth react? We are seeing the earth's reactions in weather patterns. We are seeing parts of the earth that have too much water. Other parts of the earth have too little water. And then we've got, you've got the floods in Pakistan, all this flooding, and then you've got forest wildfires. So this is the earth reacting to being 1.5 degrees over its core temperature, the earth can be cooled down very simply by reducing the fossil fuel usage. Now, that's a really brilliant analogy because we don't often look at it from that human perspective in terms of temperatures and fever. So what you're really saying is that the earth is sick right now. Yeah, it's in a sick state and we can repair. We have repaired environmental damage before. Now you go back to the ozone layer. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a hole in the sky in the ozone layer as big as the USA. And because we were so proactive as humans, we brought about something called the Montreal Agreement. We all met together, uh, politicians and the right people. And that hole is now a lot smaller. You can, can hardly see it. We can do the same thing with global warming that tense COP27 and people coming together. But still, we have to do things as individuals. We can't leave it to politicians and scientists. We're all part of the solution. What would you say to those who are still on the fence about climate change? That is such an interesting question. I agree. There are so many people still sitting 
on the fence thinking, is it happening? Isn't it happening? And what can I do? What I would say to the people who are sitting on the fence, it's time to jump onto the right side of the fence. And I did this only two years ago. And once I'd made the jump, I found out there was so much you can do in the space. But it's having that commitment, that internal commitment from your heart and your mind to say that, yes, I'm going to do something. For many people, last summer was the first time that people had witnessed things like wildfires, for example. We had in the UK the hottest summer for many years. The fact that things are now becoming real for many people, how can we change those mindsets and what can everyday people do to contribute to fighting the effects of climate change? The effects of climate change and the reality of climate change, there is no escaping it now. A lot of us have seen it in the weather patterns and I think everybody noticed the hottest summer that we've ever had in London particularly. It was 40 degrees out there. And it was impossible to go out. You had to wait until it was cooler. And that is actually happening across the globe quite a lot, where people are having to work around weather patterns and weather. But there is a lot we can do. But it's a man-made problem, and we can easily fix it. So as individuals, what we can do, I've got a three-way of coming up with solutions and something I live by. A lot of us, firstly, are in corporations and companies And a lot of our corporations and companies have a sustainability statement of some sort. There's no getting away from that. I actually work in the NHS as well. They have a sustainability statement. Just become aware of that statement. And when things are not right, say it. And don't be scared to say it. I think some of us are so afraid of articulating what we don't feel is right. And when something's not right, what you will find is people don't actually disagree with you because internally people are thinking, something similar. I will give you an example. Not so long ago, my company was sending me packages in lots and lots of bubble wrapping. And I was feeling the despair. I was thinking, where is this bubble wrapping going to end up? Is it going to be in landfill? Is it going to be in the ocean? Worst of all, it could end up down a dolphin's throat. That sort of imagery was coming to my mind. I let it go for a while, but eventually I wrote into my company, just sent a simple email And guess what? They actually stopped. I have no more packaging with bubble wrapping. And there are other things you can do as well. Become aware of your carbon footprint. Your carbon footprint is the way you eat, the way you travel, what you wear. Secondhand clothing has a lower carbon footprint. It's not only cheaper. Travel, you can travel by train as opposed to car. And eating. I mean, I'm not here to say what to eat and what not to eat, but Plant foods do have a lower carbon footprint. And thirdly, I would would say to people, just become aware and educate yourself. Once you have made the jump off off the fence onto the right side, just educate and educate. There is a massive education gap between the ones who know and the ones who don't know. And I can see that with my children and myself. Many people will say, but we're living in a cost of living crisis. I can't afford not to drive my car. I can't even afford to change my car. And I have to buy the cheapest possible thing. People in supermarkets, despite the fact that we're now charging for plastic bags, people are still buying plastic bags in huge numbers. How can we change those habits without people thinking, I can't afford to change in the way that is ideological? What I would say is, if it's plainly an affordability issue, 
I think EV vehicles is out of the question. Okay, so I wouldn't even touch those unless I could really afford one. You've got to think about charging, all that sort of thing. But what you've got to bear in mind is by, I think it's 2030, the combustion engine will no longer be there. Everybody's moving towards EV vehicles, but I'm not saying go down that route because it's not affordable yet. But there are places where we can really make a lot of difference. First of all, is think about your clothing. A lot of clothing is actually made from oil-based products. So there's a lot of fast fashion out there, cheap, fast fashion, but that's having a huge impact on the planet. You could move towards secondhand clothing. I mean, Oxfam and all these shops, they're full of it. So I can afford first-hand clothing, but I don't. I go for second-hand clothing and you can buy really, really good clothing. Quite often I get complimented and I love saying this only costs three pounds or two pounds. So I would say clothing is one focus. When you haven't got a lot of money, that's what you would do. Second, do think about travel. Traveling by public transport, especially if you're in London, it's really, really easy. But if you're living sort of far out in the country, it's a little bit harder. But I think Londoners can definitely make a choice. You've got choice of travel. You just have to plan a bit more. And in terms of eating, there is really great food around, but you just have to sort of brush up on your cooking skills. You can save money there as well, not eat out so much. You can make really good meals with beans and lentils. That's how lots of parts of the earth live already, like in Africa and India. You'll find they have pretty good diets on just beans and lentils, that sort of thing. And food's really easy to cook. Like you say, it is about changing our habits. I mean, I certainly drive far less than I used to and walk more, cycle more, but obviously you can't walk and cycle everywhere. Why should we care about the effects of our habits on other countries? We occupy three homes. First home is our body. Our second home is our houses. And our third home is planet Earth. And it's one we share with all its inhabitants. Now it's 9 billion people and all the creatures and the sea creatures. I think we have to move away from this sort of philosophy of a philosophy to a more a communal way of looking at things. I think what's happened is in the West, there's definitely been a shift from families to being on your own, looking after number one. And I think if you could look at the philosophy in other parts of the world, it's much more family orientated, hence earth orientated. And I think people feel a lot happier when they're connected that way, more connected to communities, families and the earth. It's a, just a lot more healthier way of living. And it's going to take time, but I just I believe it's doable. And I think people feel a lot happier. If we lived how we used to live in the past, as you rightly say, when families were looking after each other. That's in terms of feeding each other, clothing each other. It was done more communally. And we weren't all living independently of each other either. So Kavita, there are some people who do passionately care. I'm one of them. How do we tackle those individuals who say, well, I don't care. I'm not going to be here anyway. I haven't got any kids. So why should I care? That's a really good question. What I would say to that is let them be, to be honest, because you cannot convert everybody. But one thing I'm absolutely confident about is for social change or change in sort of services, products, any change you want to bring about in the world or any community, it doesn't take absolutely everybody. 
There will be people who are laggards, people who are just slow to change. I would put them to one side, not to be sort of rude, if you like, but they will catch up at some point. Go with the people who are innovators and want to change. And that part of the community is usually only around 10%. It's not a massive number. So the ones, again, going back to the beginning of this talk, we only need around 10% to jump on the right side of the fence as a community and you will find that small percent will have a strong enough voice and will pull the others along. You usually see this in product cycles when new products are launched. For example, the iPhone, when it was first launched into whichever country you want to think, talk about London, UK, wherever, not everybody bought one. It was just a few percent. It was a, that was such a small percent. And that the percent grew and grew and grew. And that's what will happen in climate change and people sitting on the fence. That number is growing and hence we're having this podcast, we're having this chat because that number is growing. More people will join us. So the ones who say, well, I don't want to change, I've come across them. It doesn't affect me. I won't be around. I say, well, let it be. Let them live their lives the way they want to live. But there'll be others who want to move with the times and want to help, want to be more community-based, communal, want to help. So, yeah, that's my answer to that, Debbie. One other question that many people think of is we're doing all this work trying to reduce our footprint, but then you've got countries like China who are still heavily polluting. What can we do about that? And is what we're doing actually having an effect on the climate? This is my personal opinion. It's really easy to become overwhelmed thinking about other countries, what the other country is doing or not doing. And I also think sometimes what happens is from social media, who unfortunately seems to educate all of us, I'm not sure how accurate the information is anyway. So I try and keep my mind open in terms of what's happening around the world. All I think about is what am I doing? What am I doing in my circles? How am I talking to people? Um, what am I doing within my organization? What am I doing within my family? What am I doing for myself? So I stay within what I can do as an individual because I really do strongly feel that it's only a small percent that will lead to change, a very strong voice. If you think about Greta, she was a one lone small voice. I mean, look at her. She's got now loads of people behind that voice. So I think you do the right thing within your circles, within yourself, you will start seeing the ripples. What are the top tips that you would give to our listeners in terms of what they can do immediately? From an immediate point of view, I would say there's a massive gap between the ones who know and the ones who don't know. I think immediately I would start closing that gap and start educating yourself. What does climate change really mean? Why is the earth warming up? Because as soon as you start understanding why the earth is warming up, you'll realise it's related to our own activities, to the way we travel, to the, what we eat, what we wear. And I think change happens quite quickly, to be honest. I think it's just becoming aware. Make sure it's really crystal clear in your mind why the earth is warming, how we are linked to that warming, how as individuals we're linked. Kavita, I just want to say thank you very much for your time on this podcast. Thank you, Debbie. That was wonderful. Thank you for having me. I love talking about the subject, as you can tell, but <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> to be said, but thank you. We all have our part to play in the health of our earthly home. For further inspiration, then please follow the link in the show notes. Mm-hmm.